I couldn't help but listen to Sister Latang and really appreciate uh, something that we have not really understood in a clear way. When I was growing up, we had no fentanyl. We had no social media. There was no TikTok challenge where people are committing suicide. The young people today really have it tough, tougher than we ever had it. We thought we had it bad, but they're surrounded every day. They tell us that the use of a telephone is now having the same impact as drug addiction. You could imagine how the brain works. People have phones and they can set the phone to give them notifications. Uh, they can set it to ring, to vibrate. And it's strange that they set it to notify them and there is no notification, but every two seconds they're looking at the phone. That's an addiction. Because if somebody sent you something, it will notify you. So why you look, it is a literal addiction. And the young today are challenged in ways that we have not been challenged before. I want to thank Elder Perry for reading the scripture reading so well and for reminding us that there is a blessing of peace from pain on the Sabbath. That as much as she has this pain during the week, I guess for Elder Perry we should all be thinking we want every day to be the Sabbath so she wouldn't be in pain. And I must uh, talk about Jennifer uh, who's had it rough. Jennifer's one of the sweetest persons I've met in my life. And I, I, as she was testifying today, I wanted to go down to this place where she worked and uh, some, something wanted for, to come out inside of me to say, why, why are you messing with this child of God? But let us continue to lift up Jennifer and God is going to find a place for you where you'll have nothing but praise for him. And I, I, I'm sorry I'm not going to be here on Tuesday. Um, because that's when I turned 68. And on that day, I wanted to come and challenge Dan to one-on-one basketball. I'm pretty sure I could dunk on Dan even at 68. But he, he's not here so I can talk trash while he's out of the sanctuary. Transformation through Jesus. Father, come deliver this word. Now we pray in Jesus' name that the church say, Amen. This is a familiar passage of scripture. But I do not want us to think of it just as something we have heard before. Today, I'd like to point out a few elements of this passage that directly speaks to us, the church. Just as he did for the fishermen... Jesus wants to take us on a fishing trip too. Don't worry. You wouldn't need worms as bait. Or you wouldn't need to have an expensive lure to attract the fish. All we need to do today is to sit at the feet of the master fisherman and be ready to consider with me three elements of this passage. How many elements? Three. three. The first one I'd like us to consider is the vessel. I'd like us to consider the vessel. 
the scripture says, and it came to pass that as the people pressed upon him to hear the word of God, he stood by the lake of Gennesaret and saw two ships standing by the lake. But the fishermen were gone out of them, and they were washing their nets. And he, Jesus, entered into one of the ships, which was Simon's. He identifies the boat and prayed him that he should thrust out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the people out of the ship. Want us to consider the vessel. This ship, this boat, until the encounter with Jesus being in the vessel was simply a boat of toil, labor, and at times a place of great frustration. It was a vessel used to eke out a meager existence, a meager living. But when Jesus climbed into the boat, when Jesus climbed on board, that boat, that ship, that vessel became a place of personal closeness, intimacy, and fellowship. It was a place where all who were on board could be close to Jesus. The presence of Jesus transformed the boat from an ordinary fishing vessel to a place of personal closeness. Let me say that again as I set the stage for this message. This is a vessel that brought toil, labor, and sometimes frustration when they didn't catch fish. But when Jesus entered the boat, it became a place of intimacy, closeness, because the presence of Jesus transformed the boat from an ordinary vessel to a place of personal closeness. When Jesus is close, I am told that lepers are healed. When Jesus is close, I am told that five loaves and two small fishes can feed thousands. When Jesus is close, a bride and groom's embarrassment is averted as wedding guests are treated to the best wine. When Jesus is close, a blind beggar can now see. When Jesus is close, 
a paralyzed servant of a Roman centurion cannot walk. When Jesus is close, the deaf and the dumb can now hear and speak. When Jesus is close, an infirmed woman no longer has to bleed. When Jesus is close, a 12-year-old girl can be brought back to life. Something happens when Jesus is close. This vessel, consider it, an ordinary fishing vessel, until Jesus stepped into it. Your life and my life may be considered ordinary, but when Jesus steps into our lives, the ordinary becomes extraordinary. Something transformative happens when Jesus is close. This building is just a brick and mortar structure situated at 402 South Adams. It is an ordinary building until the people of God enter. When God's people occupy these pews, this structure becomes a place of closeness, a place of intimacy, and a place of fellowship with Jesus Christ. We need to consider the vessel. Question for us today, what makes 402 South Adams such a special place? What makes it special? Well, it's special because of two things. It is special because of who shows up here. Matthew 18, 20 says, For where, repeat it with me, two at the right, or three are what? Gathered together what? In his name, there I, am I in the midst of them. This place is special because of these two things. Jesus, the Redeemer, is here. And when Jesus, the Redeemer, is here, we become the redeemed. Because Jesus transforms this brick and mortar structure to a place of intimacy because of his presence. Therefore, it means something is wrong if you're in God's house and you're having a sense of alienation. If it's the one place where we need to come and get our praise on, it's in the house of God. Things may not be happening at work. They may not be happening at home. They may not be happening at school. They may not be happening at play. But they ought to be happening when we come together in the name of Jesus. Because Jesus the Redeemer is here. And if the Redeemer is here, then we become the redeemed. Behold, 
what manner of love the Father had bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons and daughters of God. Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. So we need to think of the vessel. This is a vessel. It is special not only because who is here. It is special because of what we do here. Praise team leaders. The place is special because here the sovereign God is praised. When we come into the sanctuary, it is not for us to be praised, but it's for us to give praise. So if somebody doesn't say something that makes you feel good or make you feel important, don't worry about it because in God's house, your focus should only be that God is important. He is the one worthy of praise. In this vessel, the Son of God ought to be preached. We can say a lot of things, but if we're not uplifting Jesus... We're not doing him justice. We come into this place because of what we do here. We come here because of what we find here. There is food for our souls, freedom from our setbacks, and fellowship with the saints. Sometimes the saints be behave like the ants. But if we just think of ourselves as saints, we wouldn't be worried about the ants because people will see us and they would want to rejoice with us. I thank God for the church because God's church is an oasis in the desert of this world. It is a light in darkness. It is a place where refuge can be found and there would be revival for the weary hearts. It is a place of hope and help. May God help us never to take this place for granted. We should never walk in here on the Sabbath as if somehow it is for granted. It is special because the Redeemer is here. And once the Redeemer is here, we the Redeemer can rejoice with him. This vessel was not only a place of fellowship and intimacy, but it was a place of instruction. Jesus took this vessel and turned it into a pulpit where he preached the word of God. And those who were on board, they heard the message. There is a picture of the church. When we come to this place, we should find it to be a place of instruction for souls. From Sabbath school, like we had this morning, to divine hour, the word of God should be paramount. May I say that again? From Sabbath school to divine hour, it is the word of God. It is not our personal theories. The instructions in righteousness should come from God. Biblical teaching should be the hallmark of the church. 
Here is what God says to the preacher of the word, all who are sent to the pulpit. Preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and doctrine. 2 Timothy 4.2 Unfortunately for some, the church has ceased to be a place where saints are edified and has become a place at times where the service is simply endured. Let me say that again. Unfortunately for some, the church has ceased to be a place where the saints are edified and it's become simply a place where the service is endured. In other words, we're looking to see what time we're going to get out. This vessel that we're considering was also a place of irritation. Peter is obviously irritated because he and the fishermen had been fishing all night. And they caught nothing. They were tired. They were frustrated. And they were defeated. They had done everything in their power to be successful. And they had failed. Verse 2 tells us that they weren't even in the boats. The scripture says the boats were just there. They had left the boats. They had washed their nets. They were engaged in good work and in busy work, but they were not accomplishing the greatest work, catching fish. Let's be honest with each other. How do we feel here at Ipsy about catching fish? You remember how the story ends. Jesus says, I'm going to make you fishers of what? Men. We stand and we say, well, we're happy for two and three to gather. But Peter and the men were frustrated because the boat had become a place of irritation. Does that ever sound like us today? Do we ever get frustrated when we're not seeing progress? Are we tired? We come after week after week. We sing, we pray, we praise, and we go home, and we come back the next week and do the same thing all over again. But we haven't caught fish. Now, Peter and the men were fishers' men. They knew how to fish. They were professionals. But they toiled all night and they got nothing. What was the problem? Sometimes we're thinking as a church that we have the right bait. We have the right programs. We have the right Bible study. But if you follow the story of the vessel, we now go to consider not the vessel but we have to go and consider the voyage. Where they were, 
Jesus steps out and says, hey, go out a little further. Sometimes we want to fish in the shallows. We want to fish where it's easy. Peter knew that at night the fish were sleeping and they would come up and they would be in the shallows. But Jesus said, Peter, if you're going to catch fish, you just can't fish where you want to fish. You got to go where the fish are. Maybe we have been fishing at the wrong spot. Because where we are, we want the fish to come to us. Where Jesus says, thrust out a little further, go to the deep, leave your safe place, and go where the fish are. I believe that this voyage was not a voyage of distance. They were not traveling far, but it was rather a voyage of direction. Maybe we are not in the right direction. We don't have to go too far. Sometimes the shallows can seem easy, but we need to appreciate the lesson Jesus gave to Peter and the other fishermen that night, that morning, as they were washing their nets, Jesus says, thrust out a little further and go into the deep. We need to appreciate there was nothing wrong with the vessel per se. It's the same boat. There is nothing wrong with 402 South Adams. Can somebody say amen? amen? Jesus simply said, take it out a little deeper. There was nothing wrong with the boat. The waters may be rough. Some of the crew may be seasick. Some in the vessel may even be frustrated. But make no mistake. When we're dealing with God's church as the vessel... This old ship of Zion is still afloat and it will sail even if we think it has a leak. Everybody knows that you don't fix a leaky vessel from the outside. Can somebody say amen? We are told of someone standing on the sidelines. Watching the game in progress and having so many criticisms as to what is not being done right. And as he was pointing out the pool plays, another person got tired, tapped him on the shoulder and said, why don't you just go in the game and help them to play the right way? When we're having problems, the leaks are not fixed from the outside, they have to be fixed from the inside. Instead of standing and complaining and saying what is not done right, simply say, God, how would you lose me in this vessel? 
The vessel needs to go where the fish were. Jesus knew that the fish were not where the boat was. If those men had expected to catch any fish, they would have to go where the fish were swimming. And during the heat of the day, because it's now morning, it meant moving into deeper waters. What is the heat we are feeling in our vessel? The fish were not in the shallows, and they were certainly not in the boat. They were out in the deep. Well, pastor, what do you mean? Well, the deep may be some drug houses. The, the deep may be some homeless shelters. The deep may be a place for battered women. The deep may be a place for sexually exploited children. The deep may even be in the bar. Don't be concerned that somebody may see you coming out of the bar and may wonder what in the world you were doing there. That's not your problem because God knows that you went into the deep because that's where the fish is. And sometimes we forget that the angel of the Lord encamps around them that fear him and delivers them. In other words, we need not fear to go where the fish are. And if the fish is in the deep, we need to go to the deep. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. The operative word is go and not sit. Jesus gave them some instruction. Simple. He simply said, cast the net down. This sounds simple, doesn't it? The reality is, the net will never be filled just being in our hands. We may have good net, strong net, well-made nets, but if the net is not being thrown, no fish is going to jump into the net. So we can have the best programs. We can study a lot. But what good is a well-formed net that just sits in our laps? Jesus says, let the net go down. They could have washed those nets all night, mended those nets, hauled those nets all over the lake, but they would have never caught fish until the nets were cast into the water. The nets could have been the finest nets money could buy, and still they would not have caught any fish. They could have studied all the newest ways for casting and drawing nets, but until they let the nets down into the deep water, they would have caught nothing. They could have talked about fishing with other fishermen and discussed various ways of casting their nets, but they would have no success until they let their nets down. Do you get the picture? We seem to think that as long as we have the right Bible, we'd have discussions about the King James and the New International Version and the... 
international version and the living translation in the message we, we amplified we can think of all the Bibles but if we're not using them they have little value we can have the right kinds of standards wear the right clothes and say the right things but they don't guarantee fish Fish is guaranteed only when we allow God to use that which is given us. He has given us the nets. Use the nets that God has given us. Just as it was that day, Jesus back then is still the Jesus of today. What do I mean by that? Well, I'm so glad you asked. Jesus knew exactly where the fish was. I wonder sometimes, when we have programs, do we ask Jesus to give us direction and instruction as to where to fish? Or we just sit down with a map and decide, this is where we're going to fish. Maybe we need to find some time to agonize with God, pray with him and say, God, tell us where the fish is. We need to consider not only the vessel, we need not only to consider the voyage, but we need to remember what happened to Peter that night. Said, we've toiled all night and we didn't catch anything. And then Jesus said, hey, put your net over here. And the Bible says that they had so much fish that the other boat that was empty, they had to now go and fill up that boat. Cecilia Tang, can you envision a day when Ipsy is so packed that we have to open another church? That we can't handle the amount of fish we have here? That we don't have to go and say, there's another church, let's fill it up. You recognize back in the day, that's how churches were started. One church became full and they started a company someplace else and that began to grow. We've moved away from that. Jesus said now, You've considered the vessel. You've considered the voyage. It's not far. It's your direction. Go to the deep. Now consider the victory. The victory. A boat, two boats full of fish. And in this victory, we have two miracles. The first miracle involves the fish. Peter and the other men obeyed Jesus, and when they obeyed Jesus, they brought in so much fish that the nets were about to break. This was a miracle involving fish. By the way, you may have heard this before, but it's worthwhile repeating. I was in Bolingbrook, Chicago two weeks ago. And one of the presenters made this point. He said, you know what our problem is? Using the instructions of Jesus. Jesus tells us to go and catch fish. Are you with me? The problem is some of us behave as if Jesus tells us we got to clean the fish up. Our job is to catch the fish and let Jesus do the cleaning. 
Because we want to do some cleaning. You got to dress this way. You got to eat this. You got No, bring the fish in. And let us depend upon the power of the Holy Spirit to clean. Because when Jesus does his thing, he does it like nobody else. We can be speaking out of turn. Do you know who never speaks out of turn? Jesus. When Jesus speaks, it's always the right thing, Dr. Beckton. It's always the right time. And it's always the right person. And it's always the right place. That cannot be said of us. We are human. And sometimes, as best as we try, we say the right thing at the wrong time. Not so with Jesus. So our job is to simply go get the fish and let Jesus scale them. Let Jesus take out the gut. Let Jesus clean them up. Let, let him fillet the fish. We don't need to be in the cleaning business. We just need to be in the catching business. Can somebody say amen? Second miracle, as I begin to wind this message down. First, consider the vessel, consider the voyage, now consider the victory. In the victory, there was a miracle about the fish, a lot of fish. But there's a second miracle. Here is what verse 8 says in Luke 5. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me. For I am a sinful man, O Lord. At first, this text, this verse seems out of place. But Simon is speaking from his heart. You see, Simon was having his own little conversation with himself, Elder Perry. And Simon was looking at Jesus. And who was Jesus? A carpenter. Simon is a fisherman. And in Simon's mind, what this carpenter is telling me, a professional fisherman, about fishing. You're telling me to go into the deep. No, 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 no. We'll come back tonight when the fish are sleeping. That's Simon. He's having this conversation with himself. Do we sometimes have conversations with ourselves? And when Simon saw the miracle of the fish, there was now a miracle of the fisherman. Simon said, Lord, depart from me. He knew in his heart that he thought that Jesus was given stupid instruction. You are a carpenter. You know about wood. I know about fishing. And you telling me, to go out and cast. And when Simon saw the miracle of the fish, the Bible says there was a miracle on the fisherman. It took a miracle to hang the stars in place. It took a miracle to save me by his grace. When he saved my soul, it took a miracle of what? Love and grace. If we miss anything in this story, let us remember that one of the greatest miracles in this story is not about a boat load of fish. It's about fishermen understanding that Jesus is the Christ. 
the son of the living God. And so when Jesus comes into the vessel, he transforms the vessel. We need to allow Jesus to transform us. When Jesus comes into the vessel, there is intimacy. There is closeness. And whatever may be happening with you, whether you're blind, whether you're deaf, whether you're bleeding, it doesn't matter because once Jesus is close, things happen for the, for the good. So transformation is what Peter encountered that day. And when he saw Jesus, the Bible says, he recognized he was nothing but a crude fisherman. And he humbled himself in worship. Today, the net is in your vessel. Is Jesus telling you to launch out into the deep? Is he telling you to let down your nets? I think he is. The question is, what are we going to do about it? We, we too can see a miracle involving the future if we will go with Jesus and cast our nets where he tells us. God helps the next generation if we don't. It's on us. Transformation through Jesus took place that day with Peter and his friends. Transformation can take place with us today. 402 South Adams is just a building. But when we come here, we meet the Redeemer. And once we meet the Redeemer and we surrender to him, we become the redeemed. How many want to be the redeemed today? Stand with me, please. Father in heaven, we had fishermen who in their minds thought that they knew all about fishing. We have pastors, Bible workers, church members, elders, who think they know all about fishing. We have good nets, but sometimes the nets are just in our laps. Today we ask that we may recognize not only are you the carpenter who know how to do good works with your hands, but you're also our Savior whose hands bled for us. And because you are our Savior, we will obey what you tell us. We want this church to grow. Remind us, the fish is not to come to us. We are to go where the fish is. Thank you, Father, that there is transformation through Jesus. You transform Peter and his friends. Transform us today. May our vessels be used for your glory. This we ask in Jesus' name. Let the saints all say, Amen.